The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. And welcome to the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. Dave Ross right here at South Point Casino in Las Vegas. Always a pleasure to be joined by Michael Lombardi back home in New Jersey. And Michael, very excited for today's show for many reasons. Of course, we've got Steve Mackinnon with his great numbers coming up later on this hour. One of my personal favorites, Amina Smith, is going to join us talking about all about those Patriots and how red-hot Mac Jones and company are. And also <laughs> the next hour, Lou Finnecaro, of course, going to drop some UFC knowledge as well as NFL. But, Michael, I did want to get your thoughts very quickly because I haven't had the chance to talk to you yet about Monday Night Football. Uh, when we watched what happened with the Rams getting destroyed for a second week in a row, this time at the hands of the 49ers. And I was talking yesterday here in the Lombardi line about Debo Samuel and kind of the personality that the offense takes after him, which is that physical running style, whether it's from the running back or wide receiver position. The, the ticket's easily cashed on the Niners, the under hit as well. What do you make of Kyle Shanahan? Has he figured out that he had to get back to basics? All right, Jimmy G might not be spectacular, but let's run the football, let's pressure with our front four, and play that style that got us to the Super Bowl not that long ago. Yeah, yeah, and you need to have a defense that can kind of come through for you too, which they did the other night. I I think this is a tale of two teams, right? I think the Rams have read their press clippings, and, and I've said this last week. They are so convinced that Matthew Stafford is going to be their rescue, save them from everything. You know, they had 10 rushing attempts in that game on Monday night, Dave. Mm. I mean, that's not Ram football. That's not Ram football. They've got to be able to run the ball, play action pass. This is a great lesson for all to learn. When you get a great player and you bring him into your scheme, he will make your scheme better. But when you get a great player and you start changing your scheme, you lose your identity. And that's what's happened with the Rams. They've lost their identity. They're a paper tiger. They're, they're soft. They're front runners. You know, their defense really can't get stops when, you really, when it matters the most. I mean, you know, all week long, all week long, all we heard about was, you know, we got, you know, they just traded. They traded a two and a three. They got Von Miller back. Oh, my gosh, they got Von Miller. And then you put Von Miller on the same side with, with Aaron Donald. And, oh, what's going to happen here? You know, I mean, what? No sacks. Aaron Donald had two tackles for loss. I mean, Von Miller's stat sheet was three tackles. That was it. One tackle for a loss on the screen pass. I mean, what are you getting? Right? You know, and so you don't even feel them in the stat sheet. So I think, to me, the Rams this week is a perfect week for them to kind of get back to where they are. We saw this last year with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, this time last year, Tampa wasn't a Super Bowl contender. Mm. And they kind of got themselves figured out what they needed to do. I think that's what the Rams need to do if they're going to win. And they can't have. They cannot have any injuries along the way. They have no depth. They have no depth. And I think that's a real issue. And, and I think what shows up even more with the Rams, from different from Ram teams, and nobody's really going to talk about this, but what's different about this Ram team than most is how bad they are in the kicking game. Oof. How bad they are in the kicking game. You know, And because of that, 
you know, that you, nobody sees those numbers, nobody pays attention, because most analytical people think that the kicking game doesn't matter, you know? <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> there's been no evidence to support that the kicking game matters, even though the greatest coach of all time spends all his time on the kicking game, right? <laughs> you know, the Rams are one of the worst teams in the league, you know, in, in the kicking game, in field position, you know? No, no question. So I would rather go with the greatest coach of all time spending extra time on the kicking game than the analytical people who say it doesn't matter. Yeah, I look at the Rams here and I go, potentially five Hall of Famers. I think it's pretty cl- clear to see that you know Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, if he keeps going the way he's going, and Von Miller are probably going to get in for sure. And then the offensive side, you can tell me whether or not you think Odell Beckham Jr. and Matt Stafford are going to be Hall of Famers. I don't, but people put them in that category. And it, it feels like an all-star team. It feels like the team when Vince Young, if you remember back with the Eagles, said, well, we got an all-star team. We can't be stopped, and the Eagles were awful that year. I, I look at it that way, and I go, okay, boy, genius. Like Sean McVay, I, I like Sean McVay. I think he's a good coach in this league. But, you know, you get to a Super Bowl, and you get you know outmatched by Bill Belichick, and since then, like, you got to adapt. you got to adjust. And, and I know that it was a lot of, you know, kind of frills on offense for a long time. They tricked you. But back when they made their Super Bowl run, Michael, they were physical. They could run the football. I remember they, they played the Cowboys in L.A., and, and they beat up the Cowboys physically by running the football. They can't do that. And so I, I look at them and I go, where is the real strength of this football team without Robert Woods? Is Odell Beckham Jr. going to be able to step in for Robert Woods and make up for all the things that Robert Woods did that nobody talks about? Well, I mean, if you listen to Twitter, he certainly, if you listen to Twitter, he will be great, you know? If you listen to Twitter, Trey Lance should be the starting quarterback of the, of, of the 49ers. If you right. listen to, you know, I love that. I just said this to Gil. I love this every week. You know, they have a package for Trey Lance in this game. You know, we never see it. Right. You know, it's, you know, it's like, you know, I feel like Monty Hall, door number one, two, or three. Like, what, what <laughs> door is the package for Trey Lance behind? Door number three? I have no idea. When's it coming? Like, when's it coming? Look, there's been 11 teams in the National Football League that have scored 40 points. The Buffalo Bills have done it three times, and the Cowboys have done it three times. The, the, the world champion Los Angeles Rams, the greatest offense in the history of football, haven't done it yet. They scored 38 twice against the New York football giants and the Houston Texans. So, you know, they, get the, they got beat at home by Arizona, soundly beat at home. Then they get soundly beat on the road by San Francisco. Look, I think this is the perfect time for the bye week. I think this is the perfect time for the Rams to kind of have a come-to-Jesus meeting with themselves and say, okay, who are we? Because when they come out of this thing, they're going to Green Bay. They're going to Green Bay. And Stafford will play well up there. He knows how to play up there. But how they play how they play moving forward is going to really determine. I mean, the Lions, think about this, Dave. The Lions against them had 415 yards of offense against them. They gave up 465 to the Cardinals, 446. You know, and it happened on the opening weekend of the season when the the Chicago Bears went up and down the field on them. It was 17-14 at the half. Mm -hmm. And you're thinking, if you took the Rams and Survivor, you're a little nervous. You're a little nervous. Now, they came back and won the game 34-14. But the point here is, is, are we sure the Rams are good on defense? Are we sure? Well, they got Hall they of Famers. They got great names right, on defense. Great names, and they're supposed to work out. Well, if, if, if you tell me Beckham's going to the Hall of Fame, then there is no – I mean, and I'm writing a book on the Hall of Fame. And that's the problem with the Hall of Fame. Yes. Is there's, no quali- there's, no, there's, no, there's no standard of excellence. It's just whoever wins the popularity contest. Of course Ferris Bueller's going to get in the Hall of Fame. 
Well, I'm right there with you. I mean, I call Beckham Ferris Bueller. Yeah, no question about it. Look, I'm I'm one of those guys. I'm right there with you. I don't think he should be in. I don't think Matthew Stafford's a Hall of Famer. People are going to look at the the compilation of numbers. They'll always compare it to Eli Manning. That's what what the comparison will always be. And I'll go, well, if Matthew Stafford had the two Super Bowl rings to go with what Eli Manning did, then okay. Then we can have a fair conversation. But winning has to matter. It can't be about numbers solely regular season. And if you never go the extra mile, when we're talking about Hall of Famers, I mean, to me, Michael, the winning has to matter, right? And so, uh, look, Matthew Stafford's a really good player. I mean, it is all that matters. Yeah, he's a really good player, and he's worthy of a number one pick. But is he a Hall of Famer? Not not yet. Well, Warren Moon's only – Warren Moon put up great numbers, only went to one conference championship game in his career. One. Yep. He's in the Hall of Fame. He's in. He's in the Hall of Fame. One conference championship game, never got to a Super Bowl. Put up incredible numbers, incredible. That team, that Houston Oilers team – will probably go down in the history of the NFL as one of the greatest teams ever. Mm. Built by Mike Holovac, the Monsignor from Boston College, one of the great personnel guys in the National Football League. That will go down as one of the greatest teams that has never won anything. Let me say this to you really clearly. That Houston Oilers team with Warren Moon and Curtis Duncan and and all those receivers, mm-hmm. right? And that offensive line, Steincooler, Matthews, Munchek, unbelievable, right? Hall of Famers everywhere. They couldn't get. The, they went to one conference championship game and got destroyed by the Buffalo Bills. Yes, they did. And they couldn't go. And that team is so much better than this Ram team. Whew. It's not even close. Yeah, you're not going to get an argument from me on that. And again, it's just it's because of the the world we live in, the football world we live in, with social media that these guys get ordained that they've already won something when they haven't won anything. You got to go out and put in the work. You got to go out and actually win something. And then I'll get on board. I'll get on board with some of these guys. If, if Vodell Beckham Jr. comes in there and can do even what Antonio Brown helped the Buccaneers do last year. Yeah, Antonio Brown. Win a Super Bowl. Like, if, like that's got to be at least the bar for Odell to be in, in that context right. somewhere down the road. Right? Because Antonio Brown put up uh, Odell Beckham Jr.-like numbers in Pittsburgh and then went away for a while and came back and helped to be an effective part of a championship team. Odell Beckham Jr. has never done that. And until he does anything remotely close to that, having a Hall of Fame conversation about some of these guys is, in my eyes, ridiculous. And look, I think Sean McVay's a really good coach. I think Sean McVay's outstanding. But I think Sean McVay has kind of gotten away from himself. He let Aaron Cromer go as offensive line coach. There's very few coaches on that staff from the Super Bowl staff. And I think losing Cromer, a really good line coach who understood what he wanted to do, it's been an adjustment for him. They're not physical up front anymore. They used to be. They used to be, but they're not, you know, and, and they don't really run the ball like they want to. And, and when you watch this team, Stafford has given them a sense of comfort. He's given them a sense of comfort. I mean, in the last four weeks, Dave, they've only run the ball for over 100 yards one time, and that was against the Houston Texans. Think mm. about that. No, that. This is the Rams we're talking about. Yeah, this was right. This they was haven't right. run the ball. They there's no and, and you know why? Because it's so easy. Just call a pass play, Stafford will complete it. Yeah, that's no doubt he will. He's great. He's great. But we're losing our team. We're losing our toughness. 
Yeah, they absolutely. It feels like the 49ers won, got their toughness back a little bit, and, and you could see the formula for Kyle Shanahan. It was going to be to run the ball right down the Rams' throats, and let's see if they can stop it, and they couldn't. Very quickly here to that end, now the Niners are going to go on the road against Jacksonville and, and lay about a touchdown here in this one. Is, is this a trap game coming off that Monday night win here, or do you think that they have found their identity again, which is Debo Samuel and, and Kittle and, and go ahead and run the ball and fees, be physical and don't let Jimmy G screw it up? Well, I, I mean, I think Jimmy G gets a bum rap. We'll talk about it, come back for the break because we got to go. But poor Jimmy G, everything is always just don't screw it up. And yet he makes plays on third down that are really good. Nobody gives the poor guy any credit. Oh, no, he's so maligned. He's such an easy guy to bang the drum against, and, and you see it happen all the time. All right, much more conversations <laughs> like that with Michael Lombardi when you come back with us right here. It is VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. season is here. It's time to download BetMGM Sports. It's Nevada's premier sports betting app. BetMGM has all of your favorite wagering options along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much, much more. Download the BetMGM app today or stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open up an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Back alongside Michael Lombardi, I am Dave Verst. This is the Lombardi Line right here on Visa. And, Michael, we were talking about the San Francisco 49ers now going on the road after that impressive win over the Rams. And you heard Jimmy G after the game say, essentially, hey, this feels like the Super Bowl type of way that we played. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and then on third down, I can make a play, keep the chains moving. That was kind of our formula for success to get all the way to the Super Bowl not that long ago, which they led, by the way, in the fourth quarter. But that's neither here nor there. Then now we got to get Trey Lance involved. And I think when they got Trey Lance involved, people realized <laughs> that Jimmy G still needs to be the starting quarterback of this team. What is it about Jimmy that people, for whatever reason, don't want to give him his just desserts? You know, I don't know what it is. I mean, he I, would I say he's a top 10 quarterback? No. Do I think he can manage the game effectively? Yeah. Does he make mistakes? Like a lot of quarterbacks, he does. You know, and uh, I think he needs, uh, he needs to have balance with what he's doing in that system. I'm sure he probably drives them crazy because he makes some mistakes. But in terms of running Kyle's offense – and what they need to be effective, you know, and the way Kyle designs the runs and get the ball to their skill players. I mean, they have Kittle, you know, when they have Debo, they're really good. So I, I don't know. But to me, the, the, the number one thing I think that we witnessed Monday night was their defense played well. Their defense showed up the week before against Colt McCoy. They, they didn't show up. You know, now this defense has not been opportunistic all season long. I mean, Dave, they, they have only forced they have only forced seven turnovers on the season. That's all they've done all year. And this is a defense that's supposed to play fast and turn the ball over. They haven't been able to do that. So that's a little bit of the problem. And the other area is, too, is when you look at them, I mean, they're another team that when you break them down, that they're not, you know, because of their inability – 
to control the game all the time with their offense, the game kind of slips away. Mm. They're good in the kicking game. They're one of the better special teams teams in the league. They make field goals. You know, they can control field position. They have it, but their defense has to show up. Last week it did. Yeah, it did last week. By the way, Robbie Gold, one of the more underrated kickers, still going in the NFL today, still getting the job done. You look at this line here, open up at 5.5. It's gone up to 6.5 against Jacksonville on Sunday. And I don't know if that's because, obviously it is because of what they did against the Rams, but the Jags did hang in there against the Colts on Sunday and covered that number even though they lost the game there. What do you make of this line here? And and very quickly, to to the Jaguars' point, are we seeing progress from Urban Meyer in that coaching staff and and what they're doing with the number one overall pick? Well, I don't know if we're seeing it offensively. I know the last three games since the bye week, you know, they go into Seattle. They only gave up 229 yards against Seattle. They They come back and they play Buffalo. They only give up 301. They win the game. They force three turnovers. This is a team that only has five turnovers for the season. They've only forced five turnovers all year. Think about that, Dave. Five mm. in nine games. So they don't get the ball out very much. And then last week they held, they held the Colts to 295, have a chance to win the game. I mean, they get the ball back 23-17, the Jag, and they can't really get anything going. They made the big play in the running game. They had 179 yards rushing when Agnew made the huge run, and they were able to do that. But they can't consistently throw the ball effectively. The offensive line tends to wear down. This would be a challenge for them blocking San Francisco's front with Bosa and all the other players inside. They're going to have to do a really good job. San Francisco's very comfortable playing on the road, too. You know, my numbers for this game was 6.43. And I think the line really came – I think the line is, what, 6.5 six still? 6.5, yeah. Is it still – no, 6.5, moving around 6, 6.5. So – for me right now, it's a no play. Uh, I, I don't I like it. If I leaned anywhere, I would lean towards Jacksonville. I just don't trust Jacksonville on defense. I really don't. I, I think eventually Jacksonville will fall apart. And, you know, because, I mean, before the last three weeks, they couldn't slow anybody down. Right. Now, you know, last week they gave up, 100, they gave up 127 yards rushing. This will be a better ground attack they'll have to face than the one they faced last week, even though the Colts are a really good run team. I, I hate playing unders, Michael, but it feels like an under spot here at 47 right now. Let's see if that number uh, moves. It at, should be. It should be. You yep. know, it should be. It should be because, you know, look, the, the we know the, the Jags can't. I mean, we know the Jags can't get into it. You know, the Jags scored seven on the road in Seattle. They scored nine at home. They scored 17. Two, three before their bye, they had night. They scored 23 against Miami in their first win. I mean, the most points they've scored is 23 points. Mm. 23 points all year. And that number's gone down now to 45 and a half here at BetMGM. So I think more, more people are picking up what we're putting down there. So you might want to get that number now before it moves yeah, and, down. And the, the reason why you like the under two is the, the, the other reason you like the under is because when you watch Jacksonville, they are so inefficient on third down. They're the worst third down team in all of football. Mm. The worst third down team in all of football. And when they get the ball in the red zone, they're, not, they're, they're in the middle of a pack in the red zone. So when you are bad on third down and you're bad in the red zone, that tends to not score a lot of points. Yeah, absolutely. So let's see if that trend continues because I'm with you. It feels like that might be the right side to be on there, playing that under in the total. I do want to get pick your brain very quickly on some college football here, uh, Michael. And I, I heard Tim Brando on with Paulie Howard and Mitch Moss this morning, and he basically called the committee with college football, dare I say, a fraud, a sham. There are a lot of other adjectives that he used uh, in getting to where we are right now in the college football playoff. Now, one of those reasons for it was because Michigan State is still behind Michigan. There was no change uh, in the top seven this past week. Michigan State now goes to Ohio State, 
which, by the way, is also behind Oregon at four and three, respectively, here. Ohio State laying a, a rather large number, as you can imagine here. But before we get into the details of this game with two teams here, two powerhouses in the Big Ten, what did you make of the college football playoff with no change? I mean, to me, it's it, it, again, it's it, it doesn't make any sense. I wish they had somebody on the committee that knew something about football. You know, to me, the, the reason you wait so long to give out the final, the, the four teams, is because you're grading who's improving. You're grading who's doing well. You're grading the season, you know. And if you're just going to do it by wins, then what do you need to have a meeting for? Right. You know, Cincinnati's, you know, Cincinnati needs to win with style points. You know, last week I was complaining. Alabama, you know, they're 28-point dogs to LSU. They didn't cover, but yet they didn't move. So, for me, I, I think, to me, uh, I think it's pretty clear that, you know, this is always going to be just a little bit of a joke. And I think Michigan's a better team than Michigan State, frankly. I really do. If I would have been on that committee, I would be arguing that. I know they beat them, but it took a turnover in some circumstances. But, you know, Michigan State, to me, I think is is a good team. I don't think they're – I think Michigan – if Michigan played Michigan State five times, they win four. I- yeah, didn't agree there. And again, my buddy Michael Felder from Stadium, we had him on Betting Across America. He said it's a TV show. The Tuesday night, uh, what we're watching is basically yeah, a, a, it's reality point. TV right now. So really uh, put that stock in where you will. To that game specifically here, Michael, right now Ohio State uh, laying 19 against Sparty. Boy, what a slap in the face to me if I'm a Sparty backer going, wow, you're going to give me three touchdowns? Michael, are you nibbling there? Might you think that the underdog can hang tough in this one? I I think I might take Ohio State. I, I think Ohio <laughs> State's playing really good right now. I think they're dangerous. I'd be scared of that one. I, I would. I, I'd be really scared of that one. I, I might take that one. You know, I think that you know that 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 this is one of those where, you know, you you say to yourself, wait a minute, you know that, you know that should be a closer game. Maybe it shouldn't. Maybe the liability in Michigan State secondary is a real problem. I'll tell you the other game that shocked me. We're talking about college football is how about Texas only being a two-and-a-half-point dog to West Virginia on the road? Wow. After, after losing to Kansas. Think about that line. It, it, Something fishy about that line to me, huh? It is. I, but I look at Steve Sarkeesian and I go, what happened? Like, you can't lose to Kansas, right? And so that is, that's, that's the problem now, right? How do you back Texas after what you just saw a week ago against Kansas? That that's the problem, right? Yeah, nobody nobody's backing them, and the line's not moving. I mean, the ticket splits are fifty three forty seven in favor of West Virginia. The money's eighty nine eleven, and yet the line's staying right at two. To me, it's one of those that just jumps out at you. Say, "Whoa, wait a minute, that's not right." You know, as as my grandson Leo would say, that that's not right. You know, and so like <laughs> that ain't right. And I'm like, yeah, okay, but what are we gonna do here? Like, where are we going? I don't know about that one. Yeah, I, I gotta stay away from that. Very quickly, I know we only have a minute left in the break. We could do a whole four hours on this. What's happened to Texas football? I mean, it just feels like ever since uh, Mac Brown left, right? We had to run They're Mac soft. out. Right? We're we, soft. We we couldn't. We They're couldn't. Soft. They, they, they have no enough. defense. They can't. They can't play defense. They don't play defense. You know, they, 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 look, that's what Sark's problem at Washington. It was Sark's problem at USC. You know, when we come back from the break, I'll tell you what, all these West Coast guys, unless they're around somebody who's got real toughness, and Steve was around Nick, but they, they don't have enough toughness. Their defense is never tough enough. Their defense is never t- – they want the perfect practice. They want the perfect play. Everything's about the offense. You know, we got to do this for the offense. Do that. Well – 
you got to help your defense out. I mean, give it, can you imagine giving up that many points? I mean, I didn't no. think Kansas could score that many points against air. <laughs> against air. I didn't know Kansas basketball could score that many points that the football team did. Oh, we Seriously. Can go. <laughs> it's I mean, absolutely ridiculous. All right, when we come back, Steve Mackin is going to join us with his great numbers as he does each week right here in the Lombardi line. Come on back. It's Beeson, the Sports Betting Network. Prop Tracker now available at VEASAN.com for you to keep up with key NFL props. Head to VEASAN.com to get the current odds as well as the movement each week to follow the trends and find the best value. Track the odds for MVP, head coach, rookie of the year, and much, much more. Check out the Prop Tracker betting splits, key trends, and matchup data for every game now at VEASAN.com slash NFL. Alongside Michael Lombardi, I am Dave Ross. This is the Lombardi line right here on Vison And Michael, before we bring in Steve Mackinnon. Mr. I, Dave. I do want to wrap up our conversation have, about Texas. I have a theory. I okay. have a theory. And this is why I think Texas has lost their identity. I think a lot of colleges have lost their identity. I think the biggest sin in college football has been the indoor facilities. Ooh. Every team has one. Oh, my God. It's, a, it's an arms race in college football. Got to have an indoor facility. Got to have one, right? So last week... The Patriots are practicing to get ready for the uh, Cleveland Browns. It's Friday, New England. Apparently, there's a monsoon going on. <laughs> High winds, 50-mile-an-hour winds. Rain's coming down sideways. What does Belichick do? He tells his team to get, it, to get their stuff on and get out there. Then he calls the team together and basically says, this is the greatest weather to practice football in we could ever have. What's he doing? He's developing mental toughness. He's trying to get his team to become tougher, to deal with the elements, to focus on the task at hand, not the weather. Right? That requires mental toughness. What would 90%, what would have Steve Sarkeesian do with that weather? He'd have gone right inside, baby. Perfect practice. Here we go. Right? You wonder why your kids aren't tough? You don't coach tough. This is what's going on with college football. Those indoor facilities are killing the game. They're killing them. The kids aren't tough enough anymore. And so it's a seven-on-seven. Seven. It's, 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 you know, touch football. You know, at the Big 12, you only get to practice once a week in pads. Michael, I got to tell you so something. So to me, yeah. go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say, I, I'm right there with you. I had the, I don't say this often as a broadcaster, the privilege of covering Joe Gibbs 2.0 in Washington, D.C. And they didn't have a bubble. And you know what Joe Gibbs, when they asked him about this, he said it, was a, it became a joke. They said, he said, never no bubble. And they said, never no bubble. It became the headline. He did not want a bubble for the exact reason. Of course, he didn't want a bubble. Distra- exactly. The great ones know. The bubbles are the worst. The bubbles are the worst thing in football. They are the worst because it makes everybody comfortable, right? And now you don't have to deal with, with what you have to deal with with the game. It's the worst thing that ever happened. As a head coach, you should never go in. If they, if, if, yeah, let's have a bubble for the recruits so they could see it. But just so you know, we're never going in there. They're never going in there. <laughs> I don't know if it's coincidence or not. Minnesota went to four Super Bowls under Bud Grant, outdoor stadium. They went indoors, haven't been back to one since. Just saying. Let's bring in Steve Mackinnon. Always, always love having Steve on the program. Of course, does a great job with our Point Spread Weekly uh, editor here at VEASAN. And, uh, Steve, I'm looking at your numbers this week and your game, and I'm so glad we have you on because Thursday – I was all excited to back the bad Falcons against the Patriots. And then I read, 
what you had to say about the game, and it made me pause. And this is why I like having you on. So when you're looking at the numbers here, you look at Atlanta. They've been awesome, uh, awful, rather, ATS in the last seven games at home, and they're uh, against uh, teams allowing less than 20 points per game. That certainly fits their criteria for this game, correct? Uh, yeah, Daniel. Well, uh, the reason I point out this particular trend in this game is New England's defense is getting uh, a lot of respect lately and well-earned. However, if you think about it, Atlanta's offense was just struggling. They're going to have to put up some points against the Patriots because of the fact that the Patriots are also doing very well offensively of late. 34 points per game in their last six. So as you analyze this game, you have to be wondering to yourself, can Atlanta score 20 points in this game? Because they're probably going to have to cover the spread. So uh, at this point, the way the teams are trending, I would think not. You know, Steve, and then add, add, let's layer in Cordell Patterson's probably not going to play. Mm-hmm. He was held out of practice. Obviously, there's no practice this week. He may not play. So where does Atlanta go for their offense? You know, without him, he's their guy. You know, we know Belichick's going to double pits the minute he walks into the stadium Thursday afternoon. So where's where's the ball going to go? Matt Ryan's going to have to figure this out, and they're going to put pressure. I think it's an untold secret. You know, this week during my day off, I was going through some of these. What I think we have to reconnect with and recalibrate is there a moment these certain teams are playing better in certain areas, right? You know, I think Kansas City's defense is an example of that, playing much better. Uh, New England, perfect example, playing much better. We're seeing this happen, and I love your trends this week. You're talking about Detroit. You're talking about Cleveland. What's the trend you like in that game, thinking that you like Detroit plus the 10? Well, Detroit has actually performed somewhat well turnover-wise this year. They're not... So I, I, I got an interesting um, email the other day from somebody talking about the worst teams in football. And they're like, oh, Detroit's got to be in there. They haven't won a game yet. And I went I went through my numbers, and I they're really not at the poor level that Houston and the Jets are right now. They're actually very competitive. they got a fire under Dan Campbell. They're taking care of the ball. Jared Goff's known for that. Uh, Cleveland has historically not done well at home against teams that take care of the ball. They need those turnovers to cover spreads at home. And uh, after what we saw from Cleveland last week, Detroit coming on a little bit, taking care of the ball, seems ready for a first win. Uh, I, I wouldn't be very comfortable laying the points in that game. It, when you say seems ready for the first win, Steve, because, again, we saw what happened last week, week in Pittsburgh. They come up short on a 48-yard field goal or else they'd already have that first win. When you look at this year, obviously taking the points with Detroit plus the 10, do you sprinkle any bit on the money line? I know it seems like an, an awfully long shot, but if you do think they can stay within that number, do you think that there there might be just you know a, a fun way to say, all right, I'll take the 10, but maybe also sprinkle just a little bit on the money line? Well, the way things have been going the last couple of weeks in the NFL, you have to think that's a good possibility, and uh, I, I certainly wouldn't have a problem with anybody who chooses that method of wagering. Yeah, absolutely. Let's keep going down this uh, rabbit hole here. Uh, talk about the Colts and the Bills because, according to your game script here, the over might be the right way to go here. The game total is 49.5. Uh, it's 20-5 and five in the Bills' last 25 games at home. Uh, so that's against elite rushing teams averaging more than 4.7 uh, yards per rush. And, of course, we know the Colts can run the football. So, Steve, is that how that plays into that formula here, that, that the over might be the right side here? Yeah, well, historically uh, in Buffalo, teams that run the ball well take these totals over because you you pretty much have to. You're battling a lot of elements in Buffalo. 
uh, winds, some some late season uh, cold temperatures, that type of thing. So you have to be able to run the ball to uh, to score when you're in Buffalo. Uh, the Colts can do that. Buffalo is obviously a top-notch team offensively uh, in all regards at this point. So uh, a lot of good signs pointing to an over in that game. You know, Steve, one of the stats that I just absolutely love that you wrote about this week is, and I think it's a great misconception too, is the New Orleans Saints, the the, the Superdome, everything's great for them. (laughs) But actually, they're better on the road than they are at home. Talk about Sean Payton's incredible numbers against the spread on the road. Yeah, 21 and four in the last 25 games on the road. Now we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, I think when we talked about my true road field advantage rating. So this is continuing. Last week they got another uh, ATS win at Tennessee, proven just how tough and competitive they can be on the road. Even without, uh, without Elvin Kamara in that game, Tennessee was red hot coming into that contest. And yet uh, New Orleans still made a great game of it. That's the way uh, Peyton has this team playing on the road. All right, you mentioned Tennessee here, Steve, and again, it really caught my eye when I see what you wrote about with the Texans and the Titans. Tell the people why you actually think Houston might be the right side to be on this week. Okay, so from a trend perspective, we look at this game, and I find, now, first of all, I want to promo the fact that these trends are actually on VEASAN.com for subscribers. They're, they're buried in the matchup reports that we have there, so uh, I'm not just pulling these out of my own secret database. Our, <laughs> our our subscribers have access to these every week. So, but the trend for I pulled for this one is Tennessee is three and twelve against the spread in their last fifteen games against teams scoring less than seventeen points per game. Now that seems like a team that doesn't really uh, put it together. Uh, they're they're not really motivated by playing bad bad teams. So, uh, if you think of the run that Tennessee has been on. These have been against some pretty high-quality opponents. This is a perfect letdown scenario for Tennessee to maybe – I'm not saying lose this game, but uh, make it more a little more competitive than the experts think. Yeah, it's funny. You know, I, I, at some point, right, Tennessee has to have a little <laughs> bit of a letdown. I mean, they've won the last two weeks without really – you know, doing much offensively, Dave and, yeah. and Steve. I mean, see, there's got to be a little bit of a letdown. Just, you know, in Houston, I have no faith, but there's got to be, you know, you got to say at some point maybe Houston can get make a few plays. But very quickly, gentlemen, we only have about 30 seconds left. And, Steve, i got to sneak in the last one because Will Hill likes to get on me. He calls me, you know, the, 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 the mayor of Squarestown because I do like to play some square <laughs> plays here. Uh, but you look at the Cowboys in the Chiefs game and it screams over – and it's good. the total is going up to 55-and-a-half. Do you think that is, though, the right side to be on? Okay, yes. Uh, it, it screams square, but it also screams over to me. Uh, the trend I'm looking at is Kansas City is 9-and-1 over the total at home in their last 10 against teams that uh, big play passing teams averaging more than 7-and-a-half yards per attempt. Kansas City off a big game offensive, best of the year. Dallas also uh, firing offensively. Sometimes it all comes together. Over. This is why I read Steve each and every week. Follow him on Twitter as I do at Steve Mackin. And always appreciate the time and the information. When we come back, Amina Smith will join us. It's Visa and the Sports Betting Network.
BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, welcomes you with a special offer for the NBA. Simply place a $10 money on wager on any game, and if either team hits a three-pointer, you're going to win $200 bucks in free bets, regardless of your bet's outcome. Just use bonus code VEASAN200 when you make your very first wager. Enjoy NBA action like never before with BetMGM's live betting options, boosted ad specials, and daily promotions at your fingertips all season long. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com and use the bonus code VEASAN200 to win 200 bucks in free bets if a three-pointer is made in the game you wager on. Eligibility restrictions do apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi or Nevada. Dave Ross alongside Michael Lombardi here on the Lombardi line. And Michael, you have been fortunate enough in your career to come across great people that you get to work with each and every day. Amina Smith would certainly qualify as one of those people in my life, in my time, in this business, working with Amina back in Chicago. She is now the star in NBC in Boston. Amina, great to have you on the program, joining Michael and myself. We got to start with your Patriots now. I know Hubby still plays for the Bears, but you're covering the Patriots up there in New England. What's been the difference? Because early on, like we saw the signs with Mac Jones and preseason, but it looks like right now everything's clicking. Why is it clicking right now for Mac 10 and company? It's simply clicking because Mac Jones came from Alabama, right? And we know that Bill Belichick and Nick Saban, they have a a relationship off of the field. But there's a reason why players that come from Alabama thrive here in New England because they're able to fall right into line with what Bill Belichick has going on. And since I came here, what I realized is that in New England – it's all about business, Dave. This is not, this is not, people are not coming here to just play games and just, you know, hope they go to the playoffs. No, like it is Super Bowl or bust when you're up here in New England, when you're talking about Boston sports. And, you know, Mac Jones has really embodied that since he's gotten here. For him, you know, it was just really surprising to see him kind of take in this offense so quickly, especially as a rookie quarterback trying to fill those shoes of Tom Brady, because of course we know Cam Newton was here before. But, you know, as you can tell, people weren't really feeling Cam Newton up here <laughs> what he was doing with the Patriots. So Mac Jones being able to come in here and really internalize and learn this offense so quickly has really put him in a position to really kind of push this team even deep into the playoffs, expecting people expecting this team to go deep into the playoffs this season. Yeah, I think and I think a lot of that is certainly their defense. And you can speak to that, how well they've actually improved defensively, you know, from the 500-yard fiasco against the Cowboys where they really couldn't stop them to where they were last week, really after the first drive of the game, dominating the Browns. Yeah, absolutely. I think the thing with this this Patriots defense is that it really took some time for them to really gel and get together. You had Stephon Gilmore leave during the offseason, well, started the season on the pup list, and then you had to figure out what that defensive backfield is going to look like. J.C. Jackson has really stepped up into that number one corner position. I say this every time we're on air, but if the ball goes in J.C. Jackson's direction, like it's almost like if you're an opponent, your heart is going to stop because he's either going to be a pass breakup or an interception. It's going to get ugly anytime you throw it in his side of the field. And then you talk about up front, even the rookie Christian Barmore on that defensive line really put in that work, really doing great things in the trenches. Dante Hightower as well, Juwan Bentley. Like you can literally go down the list. Matt Judon as well, an offseason pickup who has been killing it so far this season but it seems like at this point in the season going into week 10 it's just that this Patriots defense 
is really starting to gel and really figure out what's working for them. Talking with Amina Smith, of course, from NBC Sports Boston. Uh, Amina, I got to read you this quote from Mac Jones. It's very simplistic, Amina, but it says everything you need to know. Quote, we're confident and we know what the formula is for winning games. And they certainly have been winning them at a great clip here as of late. Look at this. Outscoring their opponents 150 to 50, uh, covering and winning uh, their last four games. Now, I mean, they get the short week, right? And so now they've got to lay seven against the Falcons here. Thursday night, and Michael just made a great point earlier in the program, Amina, about like, you know, Bill Belichick's still going to practice outdoors while everybody else is getting comfortable inside bubbles, right? So I can't expect them to take a step back on Thursday night on the short week. Do you, is there any sign for concern that they only have a three-day turnaround to get ready for the Falcons? Oh, absolutely not. It's full steam ahead for this Patriots team, especially going up against a Falcons team that got just dominated last week. I mean, you come in with this uh, this Atlanta Falcons team, and really, I don't think anyone in New England is worried about the Atlanta Falcons coming in and beating New England Patriots. The New England Patriots right now, they're on a roll. As I said, everything is starting to click. All the offseason spending as well. They spent hundreds of millions of dollars during the offseason to upgrade this offense, and it seems like everything is starting to click. They got the right person under center with the rookie quarterback in Mac Jones, just poised, mistake-free football. I think that this Patriots team going into Thursday night football, this should be a piece of cake. Well, there's no piece of cake, so I don't think Coach <laughs> – imagine you say that to Coach Belichick. He, he might cringe. Oh, the creek no, question we all like want to know. Were you at that <laughs> – were you at that practice on last Friday? Were you outside at that practice last Friday? That's what I want to know. No, no, Did you go I, out I to that practice in the monsoon? <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know what I thought? One of the greatest sights I thought, and you can speak to this because you cover the team, was when, was when Jacoby Myers scored the touchdown last week. And the entire team, offense, defense, everybody, just ran to him to celebrate. Uh, to me, that as a, as a personnel evaluator and a general manager, that to me shows how much everybody has accepted their role and is into the team. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, it was so crazy because you could even see on the sideline Mac Jones being more excited than Jacoby Myers. He didn't even throw him the touchdown pass. But you can see how excited everybody was. Everybody was out there celebrating Jacoby Myers. And really, it's been a long time coming from it for him. An undrafted free agent. Everybody knows how hard he's worked and, the, you know, everything that he's put in during the offseason and during training camp and everything like that. So it was really great to see everybody celebrate with him and really just be happy for him out there. But that just showed, one, that this team is having fun because we've been having this conversation for months that, you know, maybe the pay the players up here in New England, they don't have that much fun with the Patriots. They're not winning. But now things are turning around. They're six and four. There's all smiles. Everybody's excited when they get to the podium. It was a totally different story at the beginning of the season. So it's good to see that this team is really buying in and having fun. Um, Amina, very quickly, because you know how this works. You and I have discussed this through the years in in our Chicago days together, Mm -hmm. right? The whispers come out, right? Oh, last year was a down year. Maybe Bill Belichick's losing a step. Maybe he's, yeah, he's the GOAT, (laughs) but maybe he's not as good as he once was. Do you see any anything about Bill Belichick that would say to you, he's slowing down? Absolutely not. And of course, we've had that conversation up here in Boston to no end about whether or not Bill Belichick has lost a step, if he's becoming soft, and, you know, does he really have a hold on the locker room? And then 
they go on a four and no street. And now it's a completely different conversation. <laughs> Everybody's like, okay, we trust in Bill Belichick. He knows exactly what he's doing. How dare we ever question anything that Bill Belichick does? I, I think that Bill Belichick knows exactly what he's doing. They have the perfect quarterback under center with the rookie, Mac Jones. And I think it's just that Mac Jones is really in the perfect situation. I think that if Mac Jones ended up anywhere else, whether it be the 49ers or the Bears or anywhere else in that first round, we'd be having a totally different conversation. But the offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniels, he really puts Mac Jones in positions that accentuate his strengths out there on the field. If it weren't for Mac Jones being in this perfect situation, you know, I think we'd be having a totally different conversation. But Bill Belichick has not lost a step at all. Like, I, I regret even having that conversation <laughs> at the beginning of the season. <laughs> Yeah, I can I I can tell from experience. I know that for a fact. He 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 works as hard as ever. You know the two things I think. Well, Damian, question for our audience: Will Damian Harris? Do you think he'll play this week, or do you think they'll run the hot hand with Ramon Stevenson? And then secondly, how much of a difference did the big big guy Trent Brown make at right tackle? I mean, I could watch this guy double team block all day long. It's just really amazing how athletic this big man is. Yeah, it, it was so great to have Trent Brown back in that offensive line, especially for the last couple of weeks. That's been the weak spot because you take a look at the beginning of the season and you have these defenses. They are throwing the kitchen sink at Mac, at Mac Jones. They're blitzing him on every single play. And you have Isaiah Wynn. He's trying to fill in and he's trying to do his thing, but it's just not coming up the right way. The offensive line, they just weren't able to protect Mac Jones in the beginning of the season. But you could see how everything changed when Trent Brown came into that lineup. It was solid. This is an offensive line. When we came into this season, was ranked to be a top five offensive line. They weren't playing like that when they first started this season. Now you take a look back at the last two, three games, and now they're starting to play to their potential. And of course, having Trent Brown back in that lineup helps so much. All right, we only have about thirty seconds left. I mean, I gotta ask about hubby in Chicago. Uh, do, do they miss? Do they miss Mitchell Trubisky? Or are they excited for the kid Justin Fields? <laughs> I think everybody, come on, now, come on. You're talking about Justin Fields. This is. I remember when Justin Fields got drafted to Chicago. The amount of text messages. That I got. My phone blew up when Justin Fields got drafted to the Chicago Bears. So I would say there's plenty of love for Mitchell Trubisky, but everybody's looking towards the future with Justin Fields. You got to follow her on Twitter, of course, as I do at, at Amina Jade TV. Amina, I miss you. You're the best. Keep holding down. Thank Boston. you, Amina. Thank you. We'll talk again soon. Come on back with Michael and I right here. It's VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. <laughs> 